the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob Frantz Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Hour number two underway now at 8 minutes past 10 o'clock on AM 1420. The answer, thanks so much for joining us on a Tuesday morning, the 19th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen has described the situation on our southern border as no longer being a crisis. That's good news, right? She said it's no longer a national emergency. Wow, that's really good news, right? No, actually. She said what it really is is a system-wide meltdown. It's that bad now. She spoke yesterday at the Auburn University's Center for Cyber and Homeland Security. She said there's no more fundamental responsibility for a nation, and yet the American people have been let down by our government again and again. I want to cut through all the politics to tell you loud and clear. There is no manufactured crisis at the southern border. There is a real-life humanitarian and security catastrophe. Last year... We were apprehending late last year, she said, 50,000 to 60,000 migrants a month. Last month, we apprehended more than 75,000, the highest in over a decade. And today, I can tell you, we are on track to interdict nearly 100,000 migrants this month. I say this with the utmost sincerity and urgency. The system is breaking, and our communities and our law enforcement personnel and the migrants themselves are paying the price. Joining us now to analyze and break that down further is our friend Dave Ray from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Dave, good to have you back on the air here in Cleveland. How are you, sir? Hey, doing great, Bob. How you doing, my friend? Uh, lousy. Uh, if you yeah. heard the uh, the story that I just told, uh, it, it's lousy, uh, Dave. This yeah, is, it, yeah, I mean, this is this it, is beyond it, catastrophic, like she said. And what's more catastrophic is that even Republicans 
turned away from the president, rebuked right. him. Twelve Republican senators said, right. uh, nope, there's no national emergency down there. You don't have the right to do this. I mean, who are they serving if not the American people? This is ridiculous. Well, you know, just to put things into perspective, for those who say that this is a manufactured crisis, that nothing is different at the border, that this is the same old, same old. In 2014, when President Obama declared a humanitarian crisis at the border, because the same problem was going on then. This has been going on for a number of presidencies. But that year, in February of 2014, they apprehended 42,399 uh, illegal aliens trying to cross the border. By comparison, uh, that number has now almost doubled, and in February of 2019, it was over 76,000 on its way to 100,000. This is bad for the immigrants because many of them, 30% of the women and 17% of the men, are actually being sexually exploited on their way on their trips to the United States. Many of them are uh, reporting widespread abuse. But it's bad for public safety, because once these folks get into the United States and make their fake asylum claim, and let's be honest, 90 percent of these asylum claims that they're making are fake and will be ruled that they will be ruled against. But they are released into our schools and, 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 you know, the, the unaccompanied minors are going into our public schools and the families are out and we're nowhere to be found. We now have two million, mostly Central Americans in the United States, of whom we know very little about, except the fact that they've been served the deportation letters by our government, and now we have to go try to find them to deport them. Of course, that is going to be uh, quite the heavy lift, trying to track these folks down. They're working in a secondary job market somewhere, uh, you know, illegally, uh, employed, taking a job that could be a tax-paying job going to an American citizen or a legal worker, and instead it's being uh, worked by an illegal alien. It's it's an awful problem, and all of us should be screaming from the, uh, the standing from the highest building in Cleveland, where in the heck is Congress? Congress needs to fix this. They're the only ones who can fix this. The president has done everything under his power to bring this under control, but he his hands are are bound are bound by the same thing that President Obama's hands were bound by loopholes in our asylum laws that facilitate this massive scam against the American people and this massive influx that we're getting as a result of that. Yeah, there's um there's a, a two prong thing there. You're right about the the asylum asylum laws have to change because there is yeah. an, obviously an easy carrot you know for them to kind of have to say let's go. All we have to do is say the magic words they're going to let us loose right. in their in their country. But but the part about the deportables uh, the 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 one point seven four million illegals who have right. already been given deportation orders or have deportation orders pending one point seven four million that's that's just a sliver of the total illegal alien population but just to oh, throw yeah. it out there that population is larger than the city of Philadelphia. It's larger yeah. than the city of Dallas. It's larger than right. San Francisco. We are talking about just major cities full of illegals who are supposed to be deported, and we can't because we can't get you know cooperation uh, from first of all from Congress, as you correctly point out, but also uh, Dave Ray from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. We can't get 
uh, localities, you know, to to report to federal authorities when right. they do apprehend these people if they get somebody who is supposed to be deported, criminal aliens, because of sanctuary city laws that we also right. can't seem to touch. It's just uh, right. you know, and, and and counties and states as well. Right. You know, I mean, just to give you an idea of some of the horror that we're unleashing on our own citizens, a lot of these unaccompanied minors who are coming over, these minors who are coming with their families, first of all. Families know that if you have a child with you, you can't be detained for more than 20 days because of a court order that said children can't be detained. So if you arrive with a child, it's basically your get-out-of-jail-free card. Which leads Um, to child trafficking, by the way, because they're not always their children. Yeah, I mean, there are examples now of people uh, swapping kids. In other words, you know, somebody uses a child to get into the United States. They're detained for 20 days. Next thing we know, that child is sent back to Mexico and another adult is coming across with the child. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, uh, border patrol agents are saying that, uh, you know, kids are being recycled, that oftentimes they're ending up in some sort of child slavery or child sexual, uh, uh, exploitation ring. Border Patrol agents are testifying that they are now administering rape kits to girls 10 years and older. I mean, it is just absolutely outrageous. But, you know, some of these kids, when they're released into our schools, recently here in Virginia, uh, there was a young man who was uh, MS-13 hit. He was stabbed 100 times, and then his body was set on fire, and he was dumped in a trench and found by a police officer who was uh, driving down the road. I mean, we don't know who we're releasing into our country, and they're ending up in schools with our kids. It's really pretty frightening. The, what's even more scary than that, though, is that there's 41 million people in Central America, and they've all caught with that our asylum laws are begging to be exploited, that anybody can do it, you know, smugglers are now selling tickets to the United States and with instructions of, you know, you come here and, and uh, say the words political asylum and you're all but guaranteed entry into the country and then you simply disappear. We have a real problem here. And, the pro- and unfortunately, the Democrats' hatred of President Trump uh, is so strong that I think they're blinded by this crisis and... Uh, It's hard to believe they don't care about what happens to the American people once immigrants are are, released. But nothing other than the fact that they are turning their jobs on their back. The president, the Department of Homeland Security are doing everything they can, but they can only – they have to abide by the law of the land. The president can't change the law, and he's tried every trick in the book to try to get this asylum thing under control. You know, building the wall is certainly uh, helpful in some areas, but if these folks can step one toe in the United States, that's all it takes to place an asylum claim, and then they're off to the races after that. And, you know, we're spending years trying to find them, hoping that they're not gang members, hoping that they're not uh, child smugglers. It is a is a royal mess on the border. Yeah, there's no question about it. And, uh, you know, I had Tom Homan, the director of, uh, um, a former director, rather, of ICE on the program uh, last week, and he pointed out correctly, once again, what others have said. The Democrats hate 
Donald Trump more than they love their own country. They would rather yeah. see American citizens be put in harm's way. They would rather see uh, just un- unbelievable, unimaginable amounts of fentanyl and other terribly dangerous, right. deadly drugs cross the border. They would rather see that happen than see Donald Trump get a victory and 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 right. to uh, be praised for that. doing something positive. And that's that's the uh, uh, that that's the, the the real shame of all of this. And Dave, I want to ask you about the effectiveness of a wall as it pertains to at what you said a moment ago if you even step a toe on american yep. soil all you have to do is say i want asylum i'm being persecuted right. and you get to you know be set free until a hearing that can evaluate that comes up which of course they never right. turn up for um what we're finding out recently is that the actual border between the united states and mexico would not be uh, where a wall is, and in fact, it's not where existing walls slash barriers slash fences are because you can't build right on the actual property line. And in fact, in some cases, it's right in the middle of the Rio Grande. Right. What what we are finding out is illegal migrants are coming up to the barriers and and on the south side of them, they are uh, they are they are not even in the United States specifically on the on the north side of the barrier, but they right. are on U.S. territory. Because of where the ball, the wall or barrier has to be built, which is on our side, right. so they're they're technically in the U.S. Even though they're on the opposite side of the wall, and we've got border patrol who, by law, have to go up and round them up and drive them to ports of entry and let them yeah. in. They're literally escorting yeah. people in. So, my question is: is the wall certainly won't be a panacea because of that reality. There's something that has to be done to change the language, I guess, that allows them to come up on the south side of a border barrier, but still, excuse me, being across the actual border and, and right. us having to say, okay, you're here now, we got to let you in. Right. You know, I mean, all the changes that need to take place have to be done by Congress. This was a law, the sad thing about our asylum laws is, you know, Americans are kind-hearted people, and we want to do our part to help those who are being legitimately persecuted by their governments. And the asylum laws were written to protect, you know, people who are genuinely fleeing for their lives from their government, have been singled out for persecution. That is not what we're getting. These folks have realized that this is a easily exploitable loophole in our laws, and now, you know, if anybody from Central America is legitimately fleeing from their country, from their government, they have spent a month in Mexico before they get to the United States where they are not being persecuted by the government. Mexico has offered these folks political asylum and work documents. They don't want that. They want a job in a major U.S. American or U.S. city. And so there are changes in the laws that need to be made. President Trump tried by executive order to mandate that if you want to ask for political asylum, you have to come through a legal port of entry. That would at least give us some control. We could meter the the the, the, the rhythm at which people come into the country. And, and for a hot have... minute, if I may say, and for a hot minute, we, we, we had an agreement with the Mexican government that when they were waiting then for their, uh, you know, their case to be heard and their claim right. of asylum, they would wait on the Mexican side. That seems to have gone right. by the wayside. That seems to have, uh, you know, gone, gone down the tubes. But, but the fact is that these folks know that this is easy. This is easy peasy. And what we are often now seeing is that if 
people are using asylum as a backup plan. In other words, I'm going to come up to the United States. I'm going to sneak in. If I'm captured by the Border Patrol, then I'm going to ask for political asylum because if I sneak in, then nobody catches me and I get what I want. If they do catch me, I ask for political asylum. 20 days later, I get what I want. So there's no downside anymore. And until people in Central America start seeing large numbers of their fellow countrymen being returned because they're making fraudulent asylum claims, this is going to continue to happen. What do we need to stop this? We need to close loopholes in our asylum laws that, that, uh, that, that make us uh, not capable of holding families with children for more than 20 days. You know, the, the loophole was created to, because they didn't want children to be, um, uh, you know, held in captivity for more than 20 days by themselves. But these are children arriving with their families. So their family units, if we would be allowed to hold them until their hearings could be conducted and decisions made, they're either allowed into the country or they're sent home, that would stop this hemorrhage at the border. But we once again, Congress needs to step in and Congress is all but missing in action. And, and honestly, I'm not going to give the Republicans a pass on this. They had a majority in the previous Congress. They got nothing through uh, either house that would have stopped this. This is not a new issue. And, uh, you know, the, the Republicans who are uh, beholden to the, the Wall Street Journal, big business, we have an unending need for exploitable workers. We're part of the, the problem right yeah. along with the Democrats. I mean, we re really well, need to, for our country, for the Congress to put the country first and to act soon. And exactly, put the country ahead of their hatred for Donald Trump. No question about right. it. David Ray, Federation yep. for American Immigration Reform. David, we went past our time. Got a jet, my friend. Thank All you right. for shining a light on it once you again. Bet, Keep up friend. the good work at FAIR, and we'll talk again soon. That's you Dave got Ray. It. That's Dave Ray from FAIR. Let's take a quick, quick time out now. Check traffic on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, it's 1029, so we've got a very short segment here, obviously. I don't want to put anybody on the air now because I'd be giving you short shrift uh, before the bottom of the hour. I want to have you give you a chance to say everything you want to say, so stay with me until the other side of the news. But let me remind you right now, um, you've heard our national hosts like Hugh Hewitt and Dennis Prager and Larry Elder and Mike Gallagher, everybody doing uh, um, uh, Food for the Poor, talking to you about the extreme uh, need in the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. I filled in for Hugh, and that's when I really started learning more and more about Food for the Poor and how horrific the situation is for these very innocent people um, in, in, due to violent street protests, resources, uh, including food, medicine, and, and clean drinking water have all been cut off. This is the worst crisis in Haiti since the massive earthquake killed thousands in 2010. People are starving, and they don't have medicine, they don't have water, and Food for the Poor is one of the few organizations on the ground still trying to help them. I want to help them the way our national hosts are doing that, okay? And the way we want to do this is in a partnership with you. If you're a business owner, 
I want you to join our business benefactor program. If you can donate just 500 bucks out of your business, which is probably a drop in your business's budget, donate that money to Food for the Poor, and we'll give you double that value in free advertising. Right here on AM 1420, The Answer. You donate $500 to help the needy, hungry people in Haiti. We'll give you a thousand dollars worth of free commercials right here on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, and oh by the way, your five hundred dollar donation will still be tax deductible, even though you're getting double the return in free advertising. That's what we can do, and we want to do to help the people of Haiti. This is what we're all about: compassionate, uh, compassion uh, being shown for people who just simply cannot help themselves. You know, I don't believe in overtaxing the American people and forcing them to pay money they don't have. Maybe they're having a hard time feeding their own family. We don't have to do that because we know that good people who have the means will step up and do so voluntarily. If you're a business owner and you're doing well, please give that $500 to Food for the Poor by going to the banner ad at whkradio.com. Click on the Food for the Poor banner there at whkradio.com. You give that $500, we'll give you $1,000 worth of free advertising right here on AM 1420 The Answer. To get it started, click the banner ad or call 844-868-4673. 844-868-4673. Business owners, we're talking to you. We'll grow your business for free with $1,000 worth of advertising if you'll just get $500 to Food for the Poor. Please join us in this very important endeavor. We'll be back after the news. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. That's some fine sax work right here by Jerry Rafferty. At least I'm assuming he's playing. I know he's singing. I don't know if it's a band member who's, who's playing or not, but I love this. Uh, 1036, the Bob France Authority, continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. Hugh Hewitt had a program this morning, uh, or a subject on his program, rather, that was really, really very interesting, and it kind of timed up, really coincidentally, um, with with something else I was going to bring up anyway. Um, he was talking about New York, um, the city of New York's most elite selective high schools, and how in recent years, the number of... African-American students who are admitted into the freshman class at each of these schools continues to dwindle to the point where it's alarming. In the um, most selective school, it's called uh, uh, Stuyvesant or Stuyvesant. I'm not that familiar with it until I heard the story from Hugh, so my apologies on the pronunciation. Um. But this school is so elite that out of 895 slots in the freshman class, um, only seven of those slots were offered to black students. And that's lower than last year. Only 10 were allowed in last year into the freshman class, 13 the year before. And Hugh is bringing this up, and I don't know that Hugh made a definitive statement on this, Um it was just an amazing statistic. It was it, It's kind of alarming. Um, admission to this school is based largely on a standardized test. You have to take a, a test, a very important and a very difficult test, to show that you're qualified for the higher education offered in this school. It's much more challenging than regular public high schools would be. 
And students who go to this school and graduate from it have tremendous opportunities in college that people from other high schools might not have. So it's a pretty big deal to get in. And now, uh, because only seven black students were allowed into it, Mayor Bill de Blasio wants to get rid of the test that's required. He wants to diversify those specialized high schools no matter what the cost is, meaning we're just going to go ahead and say X number of whites get to go, X number of Asians, X number of Latinos, and X number of blacks, and we're not going to have a test, which means what? We're going to just draw names out of a hat? Is it going to be a lottery? And if it is, is it no longer going to be an elite specialized school with higher level academics being taught, challenging, more you know, higher quality or higher capable students? He wants to slash the entire entrance exam. In other words, socialized education. It's not going to be for high achievers. It's going to be just a certain amount for everybody. Distribution of wealth education. Distribution of educational wealth, however you want to phrase this, right? It's a big issue. A lot of Asians in New York, by the way, because apparently some 70% of the population of that school are Asian American. At Stuyvesant, 74% of current students are Asian American, according to the New York Times. And it's because they are testing higher. They are passing those tests, which require a lot of work. I mean, these are not just like uh, USA. It's students study. They take, they take all, and, and this is not for wealthy people either. It should be pointed out. According to the New York Times, lawmakers considering de Blasio's proposal have faced a backlash from the specialized schools, alumni organizations, and from Asian American groups who believe discarding the test would water down the school's rigorous academics which it would, and discriminate against the mostly low-income Asian students who make up the majority of the school student body. 74% of the students there are, are Asian American, and they're poor. So it's not like you can say, well, they have the ability to pay for private tutors who can help them prepare for this massive test, and other people are... No, they're poor too. They're just more qualified, based on the outcome of those tests, to get into that school. So what should they do? Should they just get rid of the test and forcefully diversify the student body there, thus making the academic rigors of the school be lowered? Otherwise, you have a whole bunch of people failing out if they're not qualified to be there. Or should they keep the test in place and just say, if you want to get in, no matter what your color is, get better, do better, study harder, uh, pass the test? It's just an interesting, very interesting subject. I don't know what the answer is. But it kind of reminded me of a movie that's coming out in, in a different way. But it's coming on uh, uh, April 5th. Um, it's called Best of Enemies. And that was about school integration. Very, very different style. Because now we're just talking about plain old public schools in Durham, uh, North Carolina. And if you didn't know about this, uh, uh, this story, it's a true story. Uh, it's a story of a black female activist um, who is uh, whose name is Ann Atwater, who came head-to-head in a massive clash with the leader of the Ku Klux Klan down there, C.P. Ellis, who did not want, because his organization, the Klan, did not want the schools to be integrated. They believed in segregation. And Ann Atwater, again, I mean, this is just an amazing drama. And I bring this up for a good reason. And the reason is the way that story back in 1971 played out. They started out as enemies, the worst kind of enemies. A racist Klan leader 
at a black woman trying to find a way for her kid to go to school in a public school with other children after their their school was destroyed. They they were head to head as enemies, and it was going to get very very nasty, as you can imagine, in 1971. Um, but be, after after you know clashing with one another for the longest period of time and arguing with one another they ended up having to spend time with one another at a summit in a series of summits to figure out what to do about this and they ended up learning more about one another than they ever could have imagined and they ended up becoming the best of friends it's an amazing story i mean it's it's racially charged it's the summer of 1971 it's the south in durham north carolina and it's a great great um uh, story that quite frankly i wish there were more of now, that's called the best of enemies. It comes out of April 5th. I'm going to watch that one. Does that mean it's the same thing here? This is forced. Should we have forceful integration of this particular private school uh, or this elite school? I should say it's part of New York public schools, but it is an elite school that you have to test into. Should they just integrate it no matter who you are based on racial quotas or should they keep it exclusive based on testing performance? If you have a thought on it, Hugh was all over that this morning on the Hugh Hewitt program. I'd love to hear from you. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five is the number. Let's go to the phones. And who's been sitting there all morning? Uh, a couple of people have been. Jerry in Brexville. Thanks for your patience, Jerry. Go ahead, sir. Uh, Bob, I was just wondering. You know, every time there's a gun attack or a terrorist attack, us good people lose more rights. You're right. And my my other question is, what exactly is a white supremacist? Am I a white supremacist? Well, if you feel like your white skin color makes you better than other people because of their skin color, then you would have a feeling of white supremacy. Supreme, you're supreme over them. Um, if you if you have that feeling, do you believe that you're better than somebody else based on your skin color? No. Well, isn't there black supremacists and Asian supremacists and every other kind of supremacist? Then? Well, only if they believe that. A, 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 a white supremacist, my friend, is, or a black supremacist, uh, or, or you know, whatever uh, race or or uh, demographic that you want to use here, believes that their race is better just because of their race, right? Uh, white white supremacists believe that white people are better. They are superior to black people, Latinos, or any other race or any other demographic uh, just because of their race, not because of qualifications, not because, well, you know, and I don't mean to go oversimplify this, but to Martin Luther King about content of character. They don't believe in content of your character, what makes you better or what makes you worse or what makes you good or what makes you bad. What makes you you is inside of you. They think you're defined by your race, and so are other people. Uh, that would make you a white supremacist. Uh, if a black person thinks that I'm better than you because I'm black and you're white, that would be a black supremacist. Yes, but of course nobody uh, nobody would really uh, acknowledge such a thing because according to modern conventions, only majorities can be racist, supremacist. Um, yeah, majority, not just in race, but in religion as well. It's kind of why Christians can be assaulted, Christians can be slaughtered around the world, and nobody blinks an eye. Why? Because it's a majority religion in the United States. Muslims are slaughtered, a terrible thing in New Zealand, and it's people are freaking out over religious persecution. Only the majorities can be the bad people. They can't be victimized, according to modern conventions. But I thank you for your phone call. Rob is in Cleveland next. You've been there a long time, too. Thanks for your patience. Rob, go right ahead, sir. Yeah, I got, uh, first, I need some help. Okay. 
I need somebody who makes balloons. Okay. Uh, I want them to be a tombstone about all the 1800s booty hills style. And I want them marked, here lies the unknown compact. And put those tombstones in the potholes throughout greater Cleveland. We pay $25 a year for our tax, uh, for our license tag. Yeah. And I don't see. Wait a minute. You pay 25 Hold on. You pay 25 Mine It costs me like 45 out, out in Lorain County. It's like $45 to get my license tag every year. How come you get it for 25 Lucky, I guess. I guess however, so. I've ma- however, I've got macular degeneration and. Uh, what do you call it? Um, well, well, it's okay. It's okay. Get, get, let, let's get to the point you're making. So you want tombstone? You want balloons in the state, shape of tombstones, and you want to stuff them in the potholes, which of course means they would just pop. Uh, well, I'm trying to find, trying to find your metaphor here. Is to, uh, and have a little marker, your Cuyahoga County assessment license tag at work. Okay, and you know what? I, I I get the metaphor you're going for here, Rob, and I thank you so much for your phone call, uh, Rob. If you don't, if you weren't with us before, is responding to the conversation I had with um, Grover Norquist earlier this morning. Grover from the Americans for Tax Reform was talking about the um, obviously the increase in the Ohio uh, gasoline tax for both regular gas and for diesel that is going to, supposed to be pay, used to, to pay for our roads and repairs and bridges and new construction and so on and so forth, but oftentimes gets funneled to things like mass transit and uh, goes into Ohio slush funds for governors to play with, and it's just a complete crime. Meanwhile, the roads remain in disrepair. So uh, I do understand the point that you are making about the roads. Thank you, my friend. Let me go to John and Shard next. Hi, John. You're on the air. Hey, morning, Bob. Good morning, John. Uh, going back, to the, yes, sir. Uh, going back to the Ohio tax increase, uh, gas tax. Yeah. You know, does it come to Governor DeWine for a yay or nay? And if so, has he weighed in publicly uh, on it? Well, yeah, yeah. He, for, first of all, yes. Anything, any gas tax increase that is passed by the the Ohio State Assembly will have to get the governor's signature. And yes, he has in fact already said yay. He's the reason they're doing it. He's the one who has sponsored it. He's the one who's pushed it and told uh, the uh, uh, in the state of the state of the dress. He told the state of Ohio that he wanted to raise the gas tax. He wanted to raise it by eighteen cents a gallon, not just the ten point seven cents a gallon that the legislature and the, the Ohio House just approved. So yes, Dewine is all for this, which is one of the reasons why I have a major problem right now with Mike Dewine. And I hope in the coming days to get him on the air to talk about this with me. All right, it's ten forty nine. The Bob France Authority. Right back after this. Some road construction this morning, 237 in both directions over Brook Park Road that has single lane closures for bridge work scheduled until 2.30 in the afternoon. Besides that, we are moving in and out of town problem-free, and you're looking good on the freeways. This report is sponsored by Liberty Mutual Insurance, where you only pay for what you need. Liberty Mutual Insurance customizes your coverage so you only pay for what you need. Go to LibertyMutual.com for a customized quote, and you could save. David Sprouse, AM 1420, Household. Ten fifty four. final segment of the Bob France Authority. A reminder, business owners, 
You want some free advertising? And I'm talking about a lot of free advertising on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll give you $1,000 worth of free advertising if you just give one $500 donation to Food for the Poor. I'm just telling you, this is a business benefactor program that will help feed starving kids in the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. Starving, sick, injured, uh, hungry. It's, it's brutal. The need is terrible, and we are trying to help. We don't do it by going to the American uh, government and saying, hey, raise our taxes, because not everybody can afford to, uh, to feed people in other countries. But we know that there are people doing well enough here in the United States who can help, and they always step up, because we're a compassionate, generous people, aren't we? That's just what we are. You donate $500 to Food for the Poor. We'll give you $1,000, double the value back in free commercials here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right? Call 844-868-4673. 844-868-4673. And uh, get that process started. Or just go to the whkradio.com website and click the banner ad, Food for the Poor. It is a tremendous opportunity to help the people who need it and grow you. And by the way, in addition to the $1,000 in free commercial advertising on AM 1420, The Answer, your $500 donation is also tax deductible. So in essence, you're paying next to nothing for a bunch of free advertising just so that we can help people who need it. Please join us in this endeavor. If you're a business owner, dial that number. If you're not, but you know someone who is, please share that number. Patrick, calling us from Rocky River on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Patrick. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. First time caller. I listen all the time, though. Thank you. Appreciate I'm that. A, I'm a far right-wing conservative atheist. I, I don't know why most atheists are leftists, but it, it makes no sense to me. But I'm against um, I'm a, against forced integration. And uh, Mike, I have a question for you, though. Yes, sir. You, I know you're. I assume well, you're well actually, hold on. Before you ask your question, can I ask you what do you mean you're against forced in- immigration? What does that mean? Oh, forced integration. Integration. Sorry. Sorry, you're talking about the school issue I brought up. I thought you said immigration. My apologies. Go ahead. Make, uh, what's your question? Well, I'm against, I'm against what's going on with immigration as well. But um, my question to you is, and this is a kind of a touchy question, but uh, if, is, if I don't know, if, I know, I assume you're a Christian. Uh, yes, I am. Fine. I'm totally supportive of Christians. Um, I, I'm even supportive of Muslims if they stop all the all their shenanigans. But um, my question is. People that ex- that live, can isolated groups of people that live all over the world in vastly different environments develop identical physical and mental capacity capacities of, if evolution is true even in part. Um, no, no, I would not say identical. I would not say identical. I think I think people develop differently mentally and physically depending upon the the environment uh, that they that they are um, you know that they grow in and that they. Uh, that they evolve in, if you will, uh, depending on the the natural circumstances around them. So I, I guess I guess my point is is that as much of a taboo as it's supposed to be, the difference between racial groups uh, when it comes to intelligence and physical abilities is part genetic. Nobody's denying that there's a there's a uh, oh, that there's influence from their surroundings. That's not it's not all nature but and it's not all nurture but for some reason it seems like that most people are so afraid to say that that somehow it's, it's horrible 
to, to admit to this. I, I don't know if it's because they feel like I'm robbing them of hope, or I, I don't know what the problem is. Well, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure I understand what you're saying, Patrick. Cause what I, what I, if I'm understanding you right, I, I, I think you're trying to say that some people, depending on where they are, uh, you know, where the, where, 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 from where they originate or from what, whatever descent that they are, make them able or not able to achieve at, at, at higher levels. You know, based on, we're talking about the integration of schools and so on and so forth. And I think that is, I think that is flawed. While I do think we, of course, develop differently because of circumstances surrounding us, that's not necessarily by race or ethnicity. It, because I think everyone has the capacity for growth. Everyone has the capacity to learn. Now, do some people have a leg up? Yeah. Generally speaking, two really smart parents are going to probably give birth to a, a, a student or, or, or a child who is going to also have a high capacity for learning, maybe a higher capacity than some people who weren't. But the idea, you know, let me put it to you another way. Shaquille O'Neal was seven foot one. Neither one of his parents were, were taller than 5'8". How, how come two shorter people didn't make a shorter child? Everybody has the capacity to be something different than what their lineage is. And I think that's equal for all of us. And that's the only way I can say it, if I'm understanding your question properly. All right, that's it. Uh, thanks so much for being a part of the show. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher's coming up next on AM 1420, The Answer. Have a great Enjoy day. Bye-bye. The silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.